The Real Grim Shady, a collection of grim tales, rewritten by Ian Smith. The Elves and the Shoemaker There was once a shoemaker, Randy Shoemaker, who worked very hard making shoes and was very honest. You can trust him on that. You have no reason not to. He could even hook you up with luxury accommodations for a music festival on Pablo Escobar's island, if you have the money. But despite his noble work ethic and humble superiority, he could not make a living selling his shoes. It's that damn shoe store next to us, Barbara. They undercut our prices every chance they get. One shoe over the shoe shoes nest prices their shoes reasonably. You're the one all over the place, Randy. Who's going to come in and pay $200 for clogs? Spider-Man clogs. They're for kids. They're not even a kid's size. For kids to see, Barbara. Adults wear them and kids gander. Well, they're the only inventory we have left since we had to sell everything else dirt cheap to make ends meet. You don't know how to run a business, Randy. Why don't you ask your brother for help? After the Bassoon incident, I'd rather die. We're just gonna have to get second jobs. I wonder if they're hiring next door. Speaking of which... Randy opened the door to the bustling street outside, where, amongst scores of shoe shoppers of all shapes and shoe sizes, came the manager of the store next door. Hey, Brian! Oh, hey, Randy. When are you gonna stop fucking with my livelihood? Randy! What? You're a piece of shit, Brian. Randy, that's enough! What'd I do? You undercut my prices because you hate my soul, Brian. Fuck you! That's enough, Randy! Prices are set by corporate, asshole. Wow, I don't want to go there to buy shoes anymore. Let's shop next door at One Shoe Over the Shoe Shoes Nest. I hope they have Spider-Man clogs. See, Randy, you're driving away business. We can't go on like this. Randy stood amongst his deserted shelves and looked over the lone pair of clogs, his spidey sense a tingle. What if I knock these down to 150, Barbara? No! Fine. I have leather enough to make one more pair of shoes. I'll make them tomorrow, price them reasonably, and if they sell, I could hopefully buy leather to make more. Oh, look at you, figuring out how business works. Things are really going to turn around for us. And things did turn around, for the door Barbara needed to get through was behind her. She left Randy to cut out his leather for the final shoe he'd make the next morning returning only when she heard the front door. You guys in the bathroom? Paying customers only. Fine, I'll get the Spider-Man clogs. One fifty. Oh, fuck you. Fuck you, shithead. Take a hike. That night, Randy and Barbara went peacefully to bed, consciences clear and hearts light, leaving all their troubles up to heaven. But the next morning, when Randy took to his workbench to bench some work, he was flabbergasted, to gast his flabbers, when he discovered the shoe stood already made. Honey, I think there's a ghost. Get the vacuum. No, it's upstairs. Why do you think there's a ghost? I didn't make the shoe in the night. Did you? Me? Of course not. Shoemaker is just a last name. How does the shoe look? Can we sell it? Randy looked over the workmanship. There was not a false stitch in the whole job, and all was neat and true, like Keanu Reeves. It's perfect. 
down to the last detail. There's no way you could have made it then. I wonder what happened. Excuse me. I'm looking for a pair of shoes, preferably leather with no false stitches. Neat and true would be a plus. I love Keanu Reeves. Why, yes. We have that right here, in fact. Wonderful. Are they my size? They certainly are. Fantastic. I hope they're reasonably priced. They're the most reasonably priced shoes in the store. Good. I saw the clogs. That's crazy. One fifty. They're on sale. The customer tried on the leather shoes and found they suited him so well, he willingly paid the asking price before using the bathroom. The poor shoemaker was able to buy leather enough to make two pairs more with his money, and when he returned that afternoon with it, he set about cutting his pieces and went to bed early again, that he might rise at dawn and make his shoes. But in the morning, after he said his prayers, Satan, full of grace, my soul is with thee, blessed art The shoemaker went again to his workbench, where his flabbers gassed like never before. Well, fuck me with a cactus for charity. Honey, get in here. It happened again. A second 9-11? No, the shoes. They're just like Keanu Reeves again, both pair. I'm telling you, there's something strange in this neighborhood. Well, who are we going to call? If it's really a ghost, we can stay up tonight and see if it returns and makes more. If I sell these to buy more leather, Barbara, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But soon after, a pair of possible acquaintances entered the shoemaker's shop with gusto, albeit not much, in search of a pair of pair of shoes. Can I help you two find something? Yes, we're looking for what the narrator said because we're twins. We're twins! We dress alike so everyone knows! We want everyone to know we're twins because it's true! Our faces sort of look alike, but with the clothes, it's obvious! It's obvious to everyone now that we're twins, but we need shoes. We need shoes. Do you need shoes? We need shoes, and they need to match. We need to match because we match! Because we're twins! Is that all you have? You're just twins? You don't have any personality beyond that? It's just... That you two are born at the same time and everyone needs to know? Shut up. Shut up. It's a twin thing. Do you have the pair of pair of shoes or not? Yeah, right here. Like Keanu Reeves, look at that. The two left in their matching boots to prove a point to the world, leaving Randy enough money now for leather to make four shoes. That night, he again cut his leather, laid it on his workbench, and he and Barbara stayed up, hiding behind the curtains to see what spirit cobbled their shoes. But, to their surprise, it wasn't a specter who emerged and began sewing shoes like a child working for Nike, but instead two small naked elves. Randy, look! They must be the ones who've been doing your job better than you ever did! Yes, I see them. The ghosts of those two naked elves most likely haunt these grounds, leaving no unfinished work to be had as revenge for the Industrial Revolution. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Let's throw a good scare into them. Obviously. Ah! Oh, shit! Hey, what the hell? What are you doing? What are you doing? What do you have against the Industrial Revolution? Nothing. Increased efficiency means lower prices. Why are you jumping out and scaring us? We're just trying to help you. But but why help? Why come in at night to make our shoes? And why are you naked? So our 
guards don't stain our clothes. And we're trying to help you so you can beat out one shoe over the shoe shoe's nest next door. They kicked us out over there. No shirt, no shoes, no service policy. How can you wear shoes in there if you can't get in to buy the shoes? That's a good point. It might have been more about the no shirt part. It doesn't matter. Do you want help taking Brian down or not? The shoemaker thought to himself, thanking the depths of hell the only policy he had was, you break it, you fuck it. I suppose we could work together to put Brian out of business. Good, because no one's going to buy Spider-Man clogs at that price. They're down to one twenty-five. Uh, that's still too much. Well, what's the plan then? How do we drive Brian out of town and get all the business? The elves explained their plan was to make shoes so well made they could garner Brian's attention and lure him over to investigate. And when he does come over here, we'll have a bunch of traps waiting for him. Just like that documentary about the kid that was home alone. If that's what you think is best, that this is our shoe store and we have to defend it. And the four of them spent the rest of the night leaving out toy cars and marbles, hanging irons on doorknobs, tying paint cans to strings, and making memories they'd cherish for a lifetime, all while an escaped tarantula crawled unnoticed. Do you guys have a basement? I have an idea for the tar and nails. Mm, no basement. Oh well, I'd probably get scared of the furnace. Quick! Somebody's here! Hide! The four took to their hiding positions and watched stealthily as Brian entered and looked around. Hey, Randy? I just wanted to come by before I started my shift next door. I saw a couple people with some really nice shoes, reminded me of Keanu Reeves a bit, and they said they bought them here. I just got this weird idea that maybe elves or something were making them. I don't know. It sounds dumb saying it, but I just, by more, I wanted to check in. Uh... A lot of marbles and toy cars on the ground, huh? You know I can see you two behind the curtains, right? You're, you're not really hidden at all. Now! Holy shit! It is an elf! We did it! He's dead! The paint can on the string worked and we can corner the shoe market! I can jack up all our prices. And we'll be richer than our wildest dreams, like we've always dreamed. Because that's the American way! And it was. The shoemaker changed his store policy to what are you going to do about it in response to criticisms for the staggeringly high prices he'd placed on shoes the elves continued to make, which they did in exchange for using the store to settle more scores. The shoemaker and his wife lived out the rest of their days, happy and wealthy, until the townspeople revolted in the summer of 38 in what is today known as the Tuesday Shoes Day Massacre, in which the shoemaker, his wife, and the elves were boiled alive as penance for their greed. Which just goes to show, Brian doesn't set shoe prices, those are set at corporate. Tom Thumb there once was a poor woodsman who sat one night in his cottage, smoking a pipe by the fireside, with his wife spinning by his side. How lonely it is, wife, said he, as he puffed out a long curl of smoke. I'm right here, asshole, said she, extremely dizzy and nauseous, but finding the courage to go on. The narrator meant spinning, like spinning yarn. Well, that's the most ridiculous. Oh my. Sit down a minute. Oh, Jesus. But as I said, spinning yarn is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. 
What, I just take a piece of yarn and spin it around in the air like, hey, that's not bad. Oh, fuck, that's impressive. Look at it go, it's flying. I've never seen anything like this in all of my goddamn life. The woodsman's wife went on with this for some minutes in a mesmerizing haze until suddenly the yarn disappeared in an unexplainable occurrence you just had to be there to see. Wow. I wouldn't believe that happened if I hadn't seen it just now. But I mean to say, how lonely it is for us to have no children to play with and amuse us while others seem so happy and merry. But children are loud and dumb and I like sleep and money. I bet all those problems could be solved if the child never grew more than the size of a thumb. Oh, I should be very happy and love it dearly if our child would be the size of a thumb. I wonder if caffeine and nicotine during pregnancy would do the trick. The woodsman's wife's hypothesis was correct. As nine months after a sloppy cream pie, she gave birth to a boy, quite healthy and strong, but not much bigger than a thumb. So they said, Well, we can't say we didn't get what we wished for. As little as he is, we shall love him dearly and name him Tom Thumb. But our last name is Berlowitz. Tom Berlowitz Thumb was given plenty of food, but never grew bigger than the size he was born. Still, he showed himself to be a clever little boy who always knew well what he was about, whatever that means. One day, the woodsman was readying to cut wood for fuel when he remarked, I wish I had someone to take the cart after me. I want to make haste, which apparently means I can't take the cart myself. Oh, father, cried out Tom from the couch. I can take care of that. Oh, sorry, Tom, I didn't see you there. Ow, you bitch! Maybe we tie a balloon to him or something. With the helium shortage? I don't need a balloon! I can take care of myself and the cart, father! But how? Especially without the balloon. Well, if mother would harness the horse and place me in the horse's ear, I could tell which way to go. That's not how steering horse works. It won't understand. That's an excellent idea, Tom. We shall try it at once. When the time came, the mother harnessed the horse, put Tom in its ear, and sent the cart on its way. All right, Tom. Have fun. I will. Okay, boy. Left. Left. No left. Left! Go left, you dumb horse! Left! Okay, this was a bad idea. Mom? Mom? This isn't how steering horses work. Mom? Help me! Oh, God! Left! Left! And help thus, the horse went on, just as if no one had driven it at all. It happened soon that the horse rode past two strangers on the trail. Mm, what an odd thing that is! No, that's just a horse. They're like hardy deer. Of course I know what a horse is! I'm not an idiot! I mean the horse pulling that weird contraption of sorts with no carter! Somebody, any help! But I hear one. Hello? Can you hear me? By Jove, this horse can talk! No, someone put peanut butter in its mouth to make it look that way. I'm not the horse, I'm the little boy! Trapped in the horse's ear! Boy, you! This horse has a split personality! Oh, no. I see him. Hello, little boy in the horse's ear. My, you must be nearly the size of my index finger. 
What's your name? Tom Bertowitz Thumb. I'm trying to get this cart to my father who's cutting wood in these woods. Would you help me get to him? We would. What are you doing? We don't have time for this. What about Diane's intervention? I have a plan. We take this boy to his father, buy him, and carry him town to town as a show, making ourselves a great fortune. A perfect plan it is. I've always wanted to travel. All right, Tom, we'll take you to your father. And so Tom guided the two strangers to his father and inquired about buying the boy. Absolutely not. My own flesh and blood is dearer to me than all riches you possess at the moment. But he'll be better off with us. We'll even leave you with the talking horse. What do you say, woodsman? But Tom, hearing of the bargain, crept up to his father's coat and whispered, Take the money, father, and buy that boxing pay-per-view. I'll find my way back to you soon. Are you sure? Sure. And with this, the woodsman agreed to sell Tom to the two strangers and went home to see Logan Paul clearly signal before knocking out Tyron Woodley. The three found their way out of the woods and continued towards the nearest town, discussing how best to attract an audience to see Tom. I say we get there and just start screaming real loud with knives so everyone notices. Great idea. I'll cover myself in pig's blood, too, so they know we're up to something. It'll be a while until we're there, kid. Where would you like to sit for the trip, Mr. Burlowitz? Said one of the two, before discovering Tom was already gone. What did you do? He's around here somewhere! Look on the ground! But Tom was already scurrying through the fields to find a place to hide until morning. This barn should be a fine hiding place for the night. I can cocoon myself up in this hay and stay nice and safe until the morning. <sighs> What's happening? Why is it so wet and dark? Stop eating me, cow! No more hay! No more hay! Tom went over two in communicating with animals as the cow continued to eat him and a plethora more hay, until he found himself nestled in the cow's stomach, which was much warmer and safer than his hay cocoon. But it just so happened this night that a maid wanted to get a head start on the next day's milking, so she could get a good night's sleep during the day for a full day's work she had planned for that night. She found her cow in the barn, acting not suspicious, but in a suspicious way, like cows are known to do, and proceeded to feed it hay to gather a sense of its true intentions. But when she did, she heard a small voice say, No more hay, I say! No more hay! What the cock fuck? Who speaks? I hear your words, but see no evil. Are you the cow? The cow? You are? Jiminy Jillikas, I have to go tell the parson. She ran off as fast as she could to retrieve her master, the parson, and brought her out to the barn to see the talking cow for herself. Hilda, you're hallucinating. Animals can't 
talk, only people turned into animals can. What this cow did, I'll swear it. You'll see for yourself. You're tired, you're up all night working and then trying to sleep all day. You're sleep deprived. I'm getting a jump on the day. You're going insane. Go in and see. The parson followed the maid inside, not trusting her in her state, and was led to the cow. Is this the cow? Yeah. Hilda, there's this great hospital only two days away that can make you well. I talked to Dr. Winky Farts about their inpatient program. No more hay! No more hay! Why don't animals know English by now? Is that... I told you, see? You're the crazy one, not me. We have to kill it. Surely it is bewitched. Cut its body up and never assemble it again. And so the maid did, never realizing Tom was trapped in the cow's stomach, which she threw on a dunghill, where soon a hungry wolf sprang out and swallowed up the whole stomach in one gulp, with Tom inside. Tom, however, was not disheartened, and thinking the wolf may enjoy a chat, and keeping in mind the rule of three for him talking to animals, Tom called out to the wolf. My good friend, I can show you a famous street. What? Who said that? You can understand me? Of course I can understand you. I was Anthony Hopkins before that birthday candle. Well, if you're hungry still, I can lead you to a rich pantry where you'll find cakes, ham, beef, apple dumplings, roast pig, and everything your heart can wish. How about all new barbecue truffle whopper from Burger King? The one of the white truffle sauce dribbled over warm onion strings with barbecue sauce? Exactly. But don't forget about that crisp lettuce, which pairs so well with the flame-grilled patties. And I love that for only $6.99, you can get it with a combo of medium fry and medium drink. For a limited time only. But no, there isn't one of those in there. I'm sure you'll find something else, though. I guess I've got nothing to lose. How do we get there? And will we pass a Burger King? Tom described his childhood home and landmarks to help the wolf find it and told him of a drain pipe he could use to sneak into the kitchen in the dead of night. The wolf did not need to be told twice, as three times would suffice, and set about searching for Tom's home, which he finally found at the stroke of midnight. I can't believe that carriage turned into a pumpkin just as we got here. So you say I can get in through that grate up ahead in this pipe? Yep, and that'll lead you right into the kitchen. What's that smell? What am I crawling in? It's a drain pipe. What do you think you're in? Poopy! It's gotta go somewhere. Come on, we could have gone through a window or something instead. Well, I don't smell anything. Fuck you. Alright, I'm in the kitchen. Where's this pantry? In the corner. The wolf went to the pantry and ate and drank to his heart's content. But as soon as he had enough and wanted to get away, the wolf realized he had eaten too much. He could not get out the way he had come in, which, as it turns out, was precisely Tom's plan, and not just an odd occurrence. And he began shouting and making all the noise he could. Will you be easy? You'll wake everyone in the house with that clatter, and it's making me uncomfortable. What's that to me? Said little Tom. You've had your frolic. Now it's my time to make merry. 
What's all this racket? Did someone find hidden barbecue truffle whoppers in pantry? What the hell? Honey, get in here. What is it? Are the whoppers okay? You get the wolf! I shall kill it with my axe, like the strong masculine woodsman I am. It's not made of wood. It'll never work. Get the gun! Yoshu! It's me, your son, in the wolf's stomach! Dom, is that you? What did I tell you about getting eaten? Get out of there this instant! I'm trapped, but the wolf is too full to fight back. Kill it now and save me! Please don't. I can explain. I... 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 The woodsman beat the wolf's skull in until it transformed back into Anthony Hopkins, and Tom was able to crawl his way to freedom, where he was happily reunited with his parents again. Oh, Tom, what fears we've had for you. Where have you been, Tom? I've traveled all over the world, in one way or another. That's flat out untrue. I was down a mouse hole and in a snail shell, which were both cut for timing, and down a cow's throat, and in a wolf's stomach, but here I am again, safe and sound. That really isn't traveling the world, and you're grounded for lying, but we are glad you are back again. And we promise to never sell you for all riches of the world. Then they hugged and kissed their dear little son like never before, and locked him in his room to be alone for the duration of his grounding. After two weeks, they rejoiced at being together again, and grew quite fond of little Tom's retelling of his journey, which he was sure to make clear did not take him around the world. Tom grew to stay the same size until his death some years later from a botched colonoscopy. Having learned the lesson, there's no place like home. Rumpelstiltskin By the side of the woods in a country a long way off, but not too long that the story didn't travel, ran a fine stream of water. So fine, in fact, that I'll save this story for another day, and instead tell you about a similar stream in a similar part of the world, where upon that stream stood a mill, and upon that mill was a log with branches and bumps, and upon one of the branches was perched a little frog, and upon that was a fleck of a speck on the tail of the frog, on a branch, on a bump, on the log, on the mill, on the stream, at the bottom of the sea. The miller's house was nearby, and the miller, you must know, had an unwed daughter. She was, moreover, very shrewd and clever, and the miller was so proud of her that for some reason he told the king she could spin straw into gold. Straw to gold, you say, Miller? Well, I say that in jest, my king. And are you a jester, Miller? No, but... Then your word is your bond under penalty of death. Straw to gold. Imagine, Miller, destabilizing our currency every harvest to throw the populace into turmoil. The inflation, the desperation, all the crime. The people would beg for martial law, and they shall have it. 
my soldiers will deliver my justice, and the streets will run red with the fruits of their vicious slaughter. And once all are dead, I will be king of no one. Just imagine, Miller. Imagine the paradox. King nothing will call me, asking where my crown was. Are you okay, my liege? Mad? Me? I didn't say that. Would an insane man believe your daughter could turn straw to gold and kill his people? That's what I'm gathering here. Then it's decided I shall take your daughter back to my castle, where she will make me a rich man. And then all day long, I'd pity, pity bum if I were a wealthy man. What's going on, father? I just woke up. <gasps> the king? What are you doing here? He was hunting in the forest, as he does, and he stopped by. And your father has done me the mistake of telling me of your gift. The socks? Your ability to spin straw to gold, my dear. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? That's dumber than elves making shoes. Nobody's stupid enough to believe something like that. That's what I thought. And yet, here we are. Guards! Take her to my straw room. No, Take me you instead. can't do this. I hate Get Miller. off of me. No, oh, The miller's daughter was whisked away to a chamber in the king's palace, where there was a great heap of straw next to a spinning wheel, and said to her, All this must be spun into gold by morning, or else... Or else what? Chicken butt. Now get to work. Your life depends on it. But if you are successful, I shall make you my queen. But this was all just a silly boast by my father. No one can actually spin straw into gold. Oh dear, now what shall I do? She sat down in one corner of the room, although unable to determine which, and began to bewail her hard fate. When suddenly the door opened again. Weep, 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 weep. What's going on? King, is it you? You've shrunken a good two feet eight inches, and your face is entirely different. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm not the king. Your voice is strange too, and you appear to have amnesia. <laughs> I'm an entirely different person. I've heard someone saying weep over and over, and I wanted to see what that was about. Alas, she said to the dwarf, I must spin this straw into gold by morning, but I know not how. Or else what? Chicken butt. But if this straw is turned into gold, he will make me his queen. <laughs> and what will you give me to complete your task for you? Well, I suppose I could give you this ring on my finger. What size is it? Seven. And this is a candy gem on top? It's blue raspberry. Mm, you're lucky I'm a slut for ring pops. But it's not enough. How about my necklace as well? I haven't seen a candy necklace in years. Okay, but I still want more. How about I give you my firstborn child when I am queen? Mm, 
A baby can go for 20000 on the Black Plague market. Okay, I will spin this straw into gold. Huzzah! And the man took her at her word and sat himself down at the wheel, where he spun straw into gold while whistling and singing... Round about, round about, lo and behold, reel away, reel away, straw into gold. And round about the wheel went merrily, spinning straw into gold faster than you could say Rumpelstiltskin 14,000 times. Wow, I can't believe you spun all this straw into gold in just over three and a half hours. What is your name? Why, you don't need it. I want to know what to call you. Neroma, wanderer, nomad, vagabond, call me what you will. How about friend? That's corny. We'll just leave it at nothing, whoever you are. Yeah, that's the thing about grim stories. Most people don't have names in them. Everyone's just the woodsman or the fire marshal. The miller's daughter was right, and she was left by the dwarf to await the king's return in the morning where he proclaimed, Gadzooks! Look at all of this gold! This must have taken at least four hours. You'd be surprised. Either way, the people will be very pleased by this before they realize it is their first step in their downfall. Fine work, Miller's daughter. I shall make you my wife at once, and together we'll reign as our nation eats itself alive from the inside. Are you okay, my liege? Mad cards! Summon the priest for our marriage at once. It's a nice day for a white wedding. The king kept his word and married the miller's daughter that very hour. As queen, she became quite pregnant, her stomach's growth mirroring the populace's violent, bubbling hatred over the financial crisis. At the birth of her first child, she was very glad and had forgotten all about the dwarf and their arrangement until one day, when she was sitting with the baby, he came into her room and reminded her of it instantly. Oh, it's you, the nomad vagabond who spun straw into gold all those months ago. I'm aware it's me, and I'm aware we had a little arrangement I've come to collect on. I gave you the ring pop already. The baby! You promised me your firstborn when you were queen! I did no such thing. You did! Well... Maybe if my back was against a wall, I would have agreed to something like that. It was your idea. Play it back. Candy necklace in years. Okay, but I still want more. How about I give you my firstborn child when I am queen? Okay, but I had no more candy jewelry to give. What did you expect of me? I expect you to stay true to your word. Now hand the child over! What was that noise? Who's shaking chipmunks? Who are you? We had to replay a part of the story. And I am the dwarf who is to take your child home with me. Over my mad carcass. Guard! Yes, my liege. Stab this dwarf with your sword to hurt him. At once, my liege. Oh, fuck!
fuck no! Hold on, hold on a second, we can work something out. If my marriage can't work out, why should this? Because, because we can make a deal. How about this? If you can guess my name during the next three days, I'll let you keep the baby. Edward. Not you. A fine deal it is. What say you, king's wife? Do you agree to these terms? I suppose it's my only choice. All right, said she. Starting tomorrow, I will try to guess your name. And if I don't guess correctly in the next three days, you can keep my- Wait a minute. I've seen you before. Who? Me? Yeah. You were bathing in the stream earlier. Washing your little bum, singing and dancing. Well, that must have been someone else. What was the song you were singing? Melly, I'll dance and sing For the next day a stranger will bring Little does my lady dream Lumpur skin is my I, name I, 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 I never heard of those words in my life <laughs> That was it, I remember Because it rhymed until the end That is quite odd Seems lazy to me So that's your name, is it? Rumpelstiltskin? Can we see the dance? Look, you said starting tomorrow, so so this doesn't count! Whatever you say, Rumpelstiltskin. Stop that! I'm taking the baby! You can't, Rumpelstiltskin! No, 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 Stop saying my name! What? What's this? What's going on? We're the people, and we're mad you created the financial collapse that's ruined this housing market. And destroy my designer luggage business. And we can't afford to eat. People, people, we're in the middle of something here. Can you all go back outside and my soldiers can kill you there? Your soldiers are all dead. We're overthrowing this monarchy for a democratic dictatorship like we've always wanted. And then we can eat. Having successfully said the dwarf's name, the miller's daughter and her child were able to live out the rest of their lives together with the king in their castle, now breached with revolutionaries demanding blood, although you could call it a normal tourist visit. The democratic dictatorship they installed failed to meet the needs of the people and was itself overthrown, sending the region into hopeless darkness and suffering which lasted eight generations. Which goes to show Always watch dwarves bathing naked in streams. Dan Raymond was just a bumbling idiot who couldn't tell his ass from a toaster. Well, time to wash my ass in the shower. That's why when he died, no one cared. Huh. Dan Raymond died? Who cares? But when a family with no air fryer moves into his old house, one boy will discover a secret. Wow, this new house is cool. What's this? A ghost? That will send his life off the deep end. Don't wash your ass. What? Don't wash your ass. Okay then, I won't. This summer, get ready for an emotional tailspin of a lifetime. Are you showering? Yeah, Mom. Are you 
Washing your ass? No, the ghost said I can't. Follow one boy's journey of self-preservation. Andy, you need to wash your ass. No. Then I'll wash it for you. Come here. No. Come on. Off of you, wash your ass. Come on. I, come on. It's That's just... enough. See the bond between boy and ghost like never before. It's getting harder not to, ghost. You don't want to die, do you? I guess not. And experience the refuge of family counseling without insurance. And do you see this ghost in the room with us right now, Andy? No, he's at home. It tells him not to wash his ass. I don't want to die. You won't die, Andy. Andy, just wash your ass. Sparks will fly, and flies will spark. You think electric shock therapy could help with him, Dr. Winky Farts? Electrocuting him is the best chance he's got. No, that's what we're trying to avoid. What? There really is a ghost? I told you. Too late. Ghost of my past. Dan Raymond can go fuck himself with a cactus edition. Alan coming to theaters May 16. Dr. Raymond Pants Books on Tape on Demand is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com.